Hello and welcome everyone to Westside Christian Church. Today, John Wade is bringing the teaching to you. So grab a Bible and join us as we study God's Word together. strategies for 2017. And I want us to think about some plans and strategies. I've never been a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but uh, definitely a plan, uh, a fan of planning and strategizing. I want us to look back with fondness on the last year, knowing all the good things that have happened to us, but I also want us to look forward to the new year and to the future, how we adjust our plans and strategies to try to accomplish the goal that God has set before us. But first, before we look forward, we must look back. We must look back at what we have done. And I want to share a passage of scripture with you before we do that uh, to kind of um, put you in the same place that I am thought-wise about the coming year. And the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, and the verses are 19 through 27. Flipping there, you're going to arrive right in the middle of Paul's letter addressing the Christians in Corinth. It was a church body that, quite frankly, had a lot of problems. Uh, And it's always so funny to me in a tragic sort of way when I hear people complain or leave a church over some very minor issue, especially when they try to excuse their behavior by saying something silly about how we need to get back to the first century church. I can't help but chuckle when I hear that as I think about the various doctrinal issues in the first century church that caused the writing of 1 Corinthians, the church leadership struggles, and especially the issue in Corinth over the man sleeping with his father's wife. That's the church you want to go back to? Really? (laughs) Doesn't seem like an ideal one to me. But that's the kind of the excuse that people use sometimes when leaving. It's bizarre. No, that's not what we want to get back to. We want to get back to biblically correct behavior, certainly. But we want to make sure that we are always moving forward, that we are progressing in our growth as Christians, not regressing to something behind us. There's no going back to the first century. We're in the 21st century. We must move forward. Now, arriving here in this passage in 1 Corinthians, you'll see that there's a lot of different things happening. There's a lot of instruction taking place. There's a lot of challenging um, to people uh, going on, but there's also a lot of correction taking place uh, for bad theology and bad teaching. It was absolute, it was an absolute mess the church was in the first century. Paul is writing um, to this church that that they're in shambles. They are absolutely uh, in a dire straits as far as, as leadership goes, because leadership was totally lacking in this church. Uh, the leadership had allowed this relationship that everybody knew was inappropriate to take place. And not just inappropriate, it was the kind of inappropriate that Paul says, uh, yeah, even pagans behave better than that. Okay? So uh, real issues uh, were, were at hand in the, the church that Paul is writing to. And in this passage, we see Paul address the ideas of not only correcting this, but also he's starting to deal with, um, with uh, the idea of service and ministry 
of trying to reach as many people as possible by changing and modifying his own behavior, specifically uh, giving up certain rights that he has, freedoms that he has in Christ, so that he can preach the gospel as far as possible. It's a really interesting dynamic in his letter. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. This is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 through 27. should be up on the screen as well. This is what it says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, I'm free, truly free, not just because of my rights as a Roman citizen, but because of my identity in Christ Jesus. Paul draws this really cool um, parallel between being free uh, as a Roman citizen, and that really included some uh, some good perks back then. It really did. Uh, you could get out of all kinds of things as a Roman citizen. But how much more so did he have freedom because of Jesus Christ? He had freedom from his sin and from death that sin brings. Paul says, I'm free, but I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more from among them. And it's interesting, the word translated servant here in English is dulo, from the word dulos, meaning slave. Paul says, I go out of my way, I strain, I work, I labor, even to the point of giving up my rights so that the message of Christ may be preached all the more. He says, I became what I needed to become. I ate what I needed to eat. I drank what I needed to drink. I went where I needed to go. All for the sake of the gospel. I trained and prepared. I was disciplined and exercised in such a way that I was prepared for what lay ahead and so that I could accomplish the task laid before me. My friends, as we enter a new year, I pray that you would adopt that same mindset that Paul had that we would together as a church, that we would sacrifice and change and move in such a way that we are able to reach even more people this year and make disciples who are better trained, better educated, and altogether more prepared for proclaiming the gospel themselves. With that in mind, let's take a look at what we've accomplished this last year together. This last year as a church, we went through seven different major preaching series on Sunday mornings. We started out the year in the book of Mark, and Mark led us up through Easter. We got to see uh, most of what each chapter of Mark contained. 
After that, we went into the series Soul Detox, where we talked about how our world can contaminate our souls spiritually and how Christ can detoxify us and make us clean. He can wash us white as snow. Next, we looked at the minor prophets of the Old Testament. You remember the sticky pages of the Bible that nobody ever reads. And we looked at the message from each of the, major, or each of the minor prophets, the message that they proclaimed from God. How God spoke through uh, Hosea, uh, Habakkuk, and Malachi, just to name a few. After that, we learned about our enemy Satan and about who he is, what he's like, about what tactics that he uses in his warfare against us. After we had that series, Do You Know Your Enemy?, we learned about the spiritual armor and weapons of war that are listed in Scripture so that we can put on the full armor of God to fight our enemy. Then leading up to Thanksgiving, we did a series called Deny Your Selfie, in which we looked at how selfish we as humans can be, how we um, are called to uh, be selfless as Christians. And of course, ending the year, we celebrated Christ's incarnation by taking part in the Sundays of Advent. And in addition to all of our Sunday morning sermons, we held Sunday school and Sunday and, Sunday and Wednesday evening services as well. And that put us at roughly around 200 teaching times for the year. In these teaching times, we not only read scripture, but we prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people. But we also trained and prepared ourselves by studying apologetics and learning about other religions and how to answer the arguments of non-Christians. But that wasn't all. We also celebrated and hosted and participated in all kinds of other various uh, events and activities, including Vacation Bible School, the Tennessee Christian Teen Convention, the Church Garden, our Fall Festival, Willing Workers, Homecoming, just to name a few. We also began this last year a new young adult Sunday school class. We started planning and raising money for a mission trip to Haiti. We produced our first ever video devotion. We recorded both video and audio of our Sunday sermon series. And thanks to private donations, we were not only able to accomplish the video, but we were also able to accomplish uh, redoing two of our classrooms in the back. It's been a busy year. And as we begin a new one, the question on my mind is not what more can we do. We don't need to do more. What we want to do is we want to reflect on how can we do better. How can we do better? How can we do better at reflecting Christ in our service? How can we do better at training and teaching and preaching? With, over, with about 200 teaching times and all the other events and activities that we do, the answer is not more. The answer is better. How can we do better? That's the question because we as Christians should believe that we are being made new. That we are being remade constantly. That we are being recreated through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we are becoming new creations daily. That we are constantly reforming. And honestly, that should be something that we praise God for. How can we do better? First of all, what can we do better in 2017? What can we do better? In 2017, to, to be better, to do better, um, 
personally, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be going back to school. Uh, I'm going to be starting back to school going to Emanuel Christian Seminary over at on Milligan's campus now. Uh, I will be, uh, I'll still be right here, I'll still be working, I'll still be doing all the same things that I typically do, uh, but I'm going to be uh, going to school. Uh, and the reason being is that I want to do a better job at preaching and teaching. I want to expand that ability to train and hone that ability um, so that I can do better uh, personally. Uh, each of us can always do better, uh, aiming for our best. So uh, that's what I want to do. But what about us as a church? It's not enough for one person to be doing something. We have to do something together corporately to do better. One of the things that we want to do better at this year is we want, to, we want to do better at training individuals. We want to do better at pouring good teaching into individual people. And so to that effect, to make ourselves better, we are changing up our schedule a little bit. Uh, we're going to be um, shifting our schedule around starting on January 15th. And I know it's been a very long time since we had a significant schedule change like this. But we truly want to take every opportunity to better serve, worship, and glorify God. So what is the schedule change? How does it affect this opportunity to do better? Well, we're changing our Sunday schedule on a trial basis starting on January 15th to afford as many people as possible the opportunity to participate in Sunday school. We believe in Sunday school. We believe it is a unique and powerful small group opportunity for learning. There's all kinds of studies, all kinds of uh, material out there that says small groups help churches prosper. You want to grow a church, you grow it through small groups. That's been solid teaching, solid practice within um, growing churches for the better part of two or three decades. Um, and it's sold all kinds of materials, and, and that's kind of the strategy that Stadia and other groups uh, approach church growth from. But rather than buying a program... We believe that the same program that we're already doing is great. We just want more people in it. We want everybody to have the opportunity for that. So instead of buying something new, we want Sunday school to be our small group. Instead of doing something different on a, on a, for nightly service, we want to use something we already have in place to be our small group setting. And especially now that we have a new class, we want to really take advantage of those opportunities. We want to train believers. We want to truly, as scripture tells us, make disciples. We want people to be committed to the word of God and to preaching the word of God. Now, we believe in the power of God to work through these small groups. We believe in the power of God to change people individually, spiritually, um, and to grow the church through those, those individuals. That a church body can grow through what God does through each person. So what will the new schedule be that we're looking at? Well, first we'll be flip-flopping the order. Um, instead of having Sunday school first, we're going to actually have our Sunday worship first uh, and then our Sunday school. Um, so that we will move from our sermon into our teaching time. We'll also be pushing back our start time about 15 minutes so that when we start worship, it will be at 10 a.m. And then our Sunday school will be immediately following that, most likely around 11.15, assuming the preacher doesn't go long. <laughs> I knew there was going to be one. I knew there was going to be one. 
but so we're going to be uh, we're going to be shifting that. And now, honestly, this is not going to really change the schedule that much. Uh, we're still going to be in the exact same time block. Um, so your Sunday morning, really, your routine's not going to change by much. It's going to be altered by about 15 minutes. Now, our Sunday school will be a little bit shorter uh, because of this. But honestly. That's typically about when we about what time we have right now uh, as we kind of trickle in in the morning. So uh, none of us are very good at waking up. Uh, I understand that. So uh, we will just be having um, our, our uh, very focused uh, Sunday school afterwards instead of before. Uh, this is a really cool opportunity for um, for what we learn in in. Uh, the sermon for what we learn in our study of scripture on Sunday mornings uh, to be uh, talked about and and thought about further as you move into Sunday school. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really exciting thing. This is what we really hope to benefit the church and help the church grow is this this growth of small groups, this this expansion of small groups. We want everybody to have that opportunity to come and learn, but also to invite people to come and learn as well. Now, this is not going to be a permanent thing. What we're going to do is we're going to evaluate. At the end of uh, our evaluation period, uh, we're going to do this up through Easter. Um, and at the end of that time period, we're going to give you all the chance to participate in evaluating this schedule change. Uh, we're going to look at its merits. We're going to look at um, does it help, uh, does it detract, and then we will go from there. If it works, if it's something that is helping us, then we will keep it. If it's something that doesn't help us, then there's no reason to keep it. Okay, So uh, we're going to, to try to do better. That's our goal is to glorify God to the very best of our ability. That's the goal. Another way that we want to do better this year is we want to do better in um, our giving. One of the things that last year we didn't really do well on is our budget goal. And part of the reason is that uh, I didn't really make clear what our budget goal for the year was throughout the year and continually remind you. Um, we all honestly forget about those things sometimes about what, and it's very easy to miss what you're not aiming for. Um, so I want to make clear starting from day one what our budget goal for um, a typical uh, financial year at Westside looks like. Uh, our operational budget here at Westside is about $78,000. Now that includes everything. When I say $78,000, that isn't like, oh, well, that's a base cost. That's every single cost included in the budget. Uh, that's our uh, two staff members. Uh, that's our missional giving. That's our insurance. That's giving money to our youth group to offset their fundraising. Uh, that's our benevolence. Um, that's even, I included a little bit of money in that to put right back into our savings account. Um, so that's kind of our goal for the years. We want $78,000 to, um, to uh, make sure that we accomplish all those things, make sure that we're giving to our missionaries. This last year, we missed some opportunities to give to our missionaries because we didn't meet our goal. We don't want to do that because we want to have not just ministry here, um, in our community, but we want to also enable other ministry around the world. We want to be able to give financially and bless other people. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, the, the housers. We want to be able to give to them. We want to be able to help them. We also want to help other groups like higher ministries um, who uh, they're doing great things to the glory of God. So we want to, to have those opportunities, and, and $78,000 as our operational budget helps us do that. Uh, and honestly, that's not an unreasonable, 
unreachable goal. I know it seems like a lot of money, but we're right on track for the average um, church in America, uh, our size, uh, with that budget. So uh, we want to do a better job of meeting that this year. So I just want you to keep that in mind, uh, and I will try to do a better job at reminding uh, you guys what our budget is throughout the year. Um, now, um, one of the things that that I know you're probably wondering about, well, how do I individually, besides giving, how do I individually do better this year um, when we think about doing better in 2017? Well, one of the easiest things that we can all do individually to do better this year is to commit to reading our Bibles. And not just reading it, but studying it. Okay? Not just passively reading the words, but actively studying, going in-depth into the Word of God. Not just when you're here, but at home. When you're by yourself, in your own time, in your own space, taking some time to reflect, to meditate, to pray, to allow the Holy Spirit to work on you in the way that only He can. See, I could preach to you all day long, but the Holy Spirit's work is so much more effective than mine will ever be. Whenever you are taking that time to pray, to talk, to commune with God, Amazing things happen. Our thoughts, our desires, they begin to change and shift because of that time, because of that um, communion with God. That's what we should all be doing to better ourselves in 2017, taking that time to read and study the Word of God. Now, if you don't have access to a Bible, we will get you access to a Bible. We have plenty um, that we will be happy to give you one. Um, but honestly, because of technology, there is absolutely amazing access to the Word of God now. Uh, you have better access to not only Scripture, but to study materials for Scripture than has ever existed in the history of the world You have unprecedented access to the Bible and Bible study tools for free. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what you can find out there online to help you study the Bible. You can download all kinds of apps and tools to help you read and study the Word. And there's, uh, there's honestly... Um, Great lists of, of different tools like this from, uh, from Crossway and other ministries that we've used before uh, that you can go and look at these tools. Uh, just to name a few uh, off the top of my head that you might want to check into, uh, Bible Hub, uh, Blue Letter Bible, um, uh, uh, the... Uh, the Faithway uh, Study Bible, um, the uh, Crossway uh, ESV Bible, um, the Version Study Bible. Uh, that's probably, if you've downloaded the Bible app, that's probably the one you already have. Uh, each of these has their own tools, but especially Version has access um, to some really cool tools um, for Bible study. If you do not have, if you have a smartphone or a mobile device and you do not have the Version uh, Bible, you need to download it. Uh, there are all kinds of reading plans to get you started for the year, uh, all kinds of great stuff. So please um, use those tools that are at your disposal. Uh, now, uh, those tools are, are good to help you uh, individually and privately in your own time. But I also want to encourage you to come out and join us as we study together. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing on, in our evening services here at Westside on Sunday, uh, Sunday nights and Wednesday nights is we have been training and preparing, um, especially in the field of apologetics. 
Now, if you don't know what apologetics is, apologetics is the study of defending the faith. How do we answer questions that are posed to us? How do we debate with people who um, have other religious views, who have no religious views? Uh, how do we answer questions? How do we debate? Um, how do we, um, uh, you know, what materials do we look at? That kind of thing. Right now, we're, we're knee-deep in studying apologetics in, in uh, approaching Muslims. Uh, and, and I know what you might be thinking, well, that doesn't seem like we'd have that many here. Yes, we do. We actually do have uh, a mosque in Johnson City. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, they're proselytizing a whole lot better than a lot of churches are. They're proselytizing a whole lot better than a lot of churches are. Uh, two times when I've been in Barnes & Noble, two separate occasions, uh, I have heard the imam from the mosque uh, going out and, and speaking to people and training them in um, the fundamentals of Muslim faith. Um, I was in one time, I was having coffee, and uh, he was talking about the five pillars of Islam, uh, and I don't typically eavesdrop on people, but I felt the need to that day. <laughs> so uh, it was very interesting to hear, but he was proselytizing, and he was doing a much better job than a lot of ministers I know. Guys, we got to do better. we got to train and prepare and make ourselves ready to make disciples as we are commanded to. So if you want to know how to answer questions, how to debate, how to have these hard conversations that sometimes are very awkward and sometimes are very difficult, and sometimes are very painful even. You need to prepare and train, just as an athlete would train. I love that Paul uses in this passage athletic language. Did you notice there at the end of the passage that we read? He's talking about training, about preparing his body, about running a race. He's using the imagery of somebody going out and participating in um, like a marathon. And somebody who's going out and, and uh, making their body ready for such a thing. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've never run a marathon. <laughs> the, uh, the longest race I ever ran in high school was, uh, was the, um, uh, a, a um, tandem race where it was, a, it was um, me handing off a baton after half a mile. <laughs> so, and at the end of that half mile, I was done. <laughs> I was a sprinter. I was not a distance runner. Sprinting's easy. <laughs> you go as hard as you can, as, as fast as you can, um, and then you're done. Uh, with long distance running, you have to train your body in a specific manner so that you are capable of going and going and going, that you are capable of endurance, that you are capable of... of um, breathing properly and having proper running form. It's important how you hold your arms and your posture as you run. Everything becomes important in long distance running. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about. He says, I want to finish the race strong. I want to win the prize. I have to train my body and prepare it. It's not enough for me to just go out and sprint for 100 meters. It's not enough for me to go out and, and, and sprint and then I'm done. I have to train to run the race well. I have to prepare. And if that's true for an athlete to run a marathon, how much more true is it for us as Christians that we have to prepare? We have to train. We have to make ourselves ready for answering questions. You want to know why the gospel doesn't spread in America like it could? It's because we're not training people to spread the gospel. We have to train people to do apologetics. We have to train people to do evangelism. And that's what we're doing. Tonight we're going to be looking at 
the some of the big ways that Muslims will um, try to either um, answer us and debate us as Christians, or some of the big things that uh, we can uh, debate with, with Muslims over. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the issues that um, I've already mentioned a couple times um, already in our apologetic studies uh, on Islam, but we're also going to be addressing some new areas. So if you are interested in that, you can join us tonight at 7. That's something that we do constantly because we want to prepare you. We want to do better at evangelism. In all of these things, recognize that our efforts to do better are not our efforts to do better because we think we are earning anything from God. It's very important for us to understand that. There's a whole subculture in American Christianity that is focused on doing better because we believe that God's love is contingent upon us accomplishing something and doing something. Guys, don't think that way. We're not trying to do better because God's love hinges upon us doing something. God loved us in the midst of our sin enough to incarnate, to come in flesh into his world and to die on our behalf. There's nothing that we need to accomplish to earn God's love. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. No, we want to do better because we want to love God and worship him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. With every bit of our being, with every bit of our existence, with everything that we are as human beings, we want to pour it out in worship and praise to our God. This is what, when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest command? He says, love the Lord your God. He says, with all of these things, heart, mind, strength, soul, all of these things, we want to do a good job with all of those things. We want to love him emotionally and sing our praises to him with our songs, but we also want to love him with our minds. We want to train and prepare ourselves. We want to love him with every possible tool that we have. That is my challenge to you this year. Join us as Christ builds us better, as we work to better serve and glorify him. We want to invite you to grow and learn with us. We want to invite you to glorify Christ. Maybe today you've never done that before. Maybe you've never given glory to Christ. And my prayer is that if that if that's you, if you have never given glory to him that you would, starting today with the confession that he is Lord. We're going to have a time of invitation. And if you have never glorified him as Lord, this is the moment. Believe in Jesus. Repent of your sins and let us baptize you in obedience with scripture. Begin a new year with a new life, worshiping a new Lord. Today, if you are ready to do that, we're going to have a time for you right now as we sing. So won't you make that decision as we stand and sing. Thanks for joining us for the message today. If you would like more information about this and other teachings, or you'd just like to know more about Jesus, visit our website at wccjb.org or come visit us at 1405 Persimmon Ridge Road in Jonesboro, Tennessee.
check our website and Facebook page for service times. We hope you join us again and that we'll see you soon.